Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzovino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. John's Gospel, Chapter 8, beginning at verse 31. John's Gospel, Chapter 8, verse 31. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. Underline the if and underline the then. And. That's another good one. If, then, and. And ye shall know the truth. Notice two ands. And the truth shall make you free. Our Heavenly Father, we approach your word with reverence and with humility, giving you thanks for the holy written word of God and our privilege to study this word together. Father, we believe that the anointing upon your word is also upon our ears to hear it accurately, upon our hearts to receive it, and upon our minds to be open unto it, so that we may be doers of your word and not hearers only. I thank you for utterance in the Holy Ghost to boldly proclaim the truth and demonstration of your spirit and the power that our faith would stand not in the wisdom of men but in the power of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, how many of you this morning desire, truly desire, from your heart to be victorious over Satan, over sin, over sickness, over disease, over condemnation, and over every storm the winds of life may blow your way. How many of you truly desire to be victorious in the realm of life? You're not just saying that. You mean that. Well, according to Jesus, according to what he said here, the only way that we can have this realized in our lives individually, and of course experience it as a corporate body, is by knowing the truth. Is by knowing the truth. At least that's what he said here. If you continue in my word, my word, if, it's a big if, then are you my disciples indeed. You're truly a student of mine. You know, many walked away from Jesus because they couldn't hear his word. They actually said, this is a hard saying, who can hear it? And they walked away. But Jesus says, if you'll continue in my word, you'll be my student, my disciple, my true follower. Then you'll be my true disciple. And ye shall know the truth. It doesn't say, and you shall be prayed for. It didn't say, and I'll show you someone who will pray the prayer of faith for you to help you get free. And I'll show you the right meeting to go to. No, beloved, he said, you shall know the truth. And the truth. Do you see that? And the truth 
shall make you free. What makes us free? What gives us freedom? What makes us victorious over life's circumstances? You see, the truth does. Well, what does the truth deal with? Doesn't it deal with our belief? I seriously need your undivided attention this morning. Doesn't the truth deal with our belief? Beloved, it's one thing to say, I am a Christian. I've been born again. And that's the initial step. But do you know that the Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy and said, God's will is not only for you to be saved, but also to come to the knowledge of the truth. Did you know that? As a matter of fact, I need to turn there. I do want to get into the Scriptures and I want to be explicit. I want us to look at the Scriptures. 1 Timothy chapter 2. I want you to see the Scriptures with your eyes. I want you to keep them before your eyes so that they can be in your heart. According to Jesus, the way to be free from Satan, free from sin... Don't miss out on what I'm saying while you're turning. The way to be free from Satan, the way to be free from sin, the way to be free from sickness, see, permanent help, the way to be free from condemnation and guilt and inferiority, sin consciousness, unworthiness, a way to be free, Jesus said, is to know the truth. And we've seen so many focus their attention on another way to be free. So-and-so prayed for me and I was set free. That's, that's great. But permanent help does not come by having people always pray for us to get free. Beloved, permanent help has something to do with what we believe as individuals after we get saved. Look at the scripture in First Timothy 2. And verse 4, who will have all men to be saved and, notice these words, and, see, sometimes I think we stop short and we say, I'm saved. Well, that's not enough. It's enough to get you into heaven, but it's not enough to set you free on this earth. There are many captive saints of God. That's true. There are many saints of God that are being held in captivity as we speak. And they are searching for a way or a method of deliverance. And you'll find out that after so many years of being a Christian, as a young babe in Christ, they were able to receive their deliverance or to receive their freedom through the prayers of others by going to church and maybe having hands laid upon them or going to a Bible study or a prayer meeting and having people pray for them. But, beloved, that is not God's method of permanent help. To have permanent help to maintain ultimate freedom and victory in Christian experience requires the knowledge of the truth. And we've sadly lacked, that is the church has, when it comes to teaching accurately the knowledge of the truth to the saints of God. But here the scripture says, who will have all men to be saved, and thank God for salvation because that's the first step. But notice the word and. And to come unto the knowledge of the truth. Why? Because the true worshipers of God must, must worship Him in spirit. Now, we've already done that this morning. But notice, and in truth. I remember I met many times walking into Christian full gospel churches. And at the beginning of the service, I would just be so filled with God, so full of faith and just on fire, sensing the, the mighty presence of, of my Lord. And then I would sit 
The moment we sat down, I would sit there and I would begin to listen. And the moment the minister began to speak, do you know what happened? The Spirit of God lifted. Saw that. I'd walk out shaking my head. Now, I know I sensed the mighty presence when I was worshiping and everything, but all of a sudden, the Spirit of God lifted. Well, then I began to wise up and I began to see why. See, when you're young in Christ, you're open to a lot of deception. Did you know that? And when you're young in the Lord, I'll be, I'll be honest with you, Christians are really open to anything that comes down the pike. I mean that. And many do not know the difference. I want to share some truths with you this morning that's going to help each and every one of us to establish the truth in our own individual lives. And we're going to call this message Freedom from Deception. Freedom from Deception. But I'm a Christian. How can I be deceived? Just in that statement, you're deceived. If you think you can't be deceived because you're a Christian, you're deceived. That's the truth. What is truth? How can we know it? John's Gospel. Look at the Scripture, chapter 17. I'm slowing down. <laughs> Verse 17. And I'll be honest with you. May I say something else? I have discovered in my acquaintances with people, I have discovered by innocent conversation, and please listen, I have discovered that many either have not heard or have not accurately heard or don't even realize many things that have been taught from this pulpit over the last seven years, basically probably because they haven't taken notes or taken the time to do their own in-depth study of God's Word. Many times I'll hear people say, well, I've never heard that before. And I know I've taught it at least a dozen times from this pulpit. I've, had per I've heard people say, well, my goodness, I've never heard it said like that or heard, never heard anything like that before. And I know that I've taught that subject countless numbers of times. Well, I've never heard it said that way before. And I know that verbatim those words were said from this pulpit. You know, and sometimes you're glad. It, 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 I'm glad that you hear it along the line somewhere. And I, and I mean that with all my heart. But sometimes you can just sit back and think, my goodness, I've said that at least 50 times. Well, praise God, I got it now. Glory to God. It kind of makes you wonder, what's, what are people listening to? What do they really hear? You know, Jesus said, take heed what you hear and how you hear it. He said, take heed. You see, we could leave ourselves open to a lot of things if we don't pray before we study God's Word. We can leave ourselves open to mishearing if we don't enter into the teaching of God's Word with a right mental attitude. Asking the Spirit of God to anoint my ears to hear accurately what is being said. And that nugget of truth will slip by. But once again, the seed does not go without, it doesn't go void, without producing fruit. That seed will drop in there and the Spirit of God will keep having someone to bring it back to your remembrance until it becomes truth in your life, if you're sincere toward Him. That's why I say I want you to look at the Scriptures with me, make mental notes of the Word of God, and most importantly, hide the Word in your heart. Hide His Word in your heart. Notice Jesus said in John 17, 17, let's let the Word answer our question. What is truth? Jesus said, I want you to know the truth so that the truth can set you free. Well, then what is truth and how can I know it? Well, in John 17, 17, Jesus says, sanctify them through thy truth. And now we have the answer to our question. Thy Word is truth. Everyone say with me, God's Word is truth. Now, notice in John 14 and just, or John 16, just go back one chapter, John 16, 
and verse 13, we know what truth is now. Now, how can we know the truth? Well, first of all, Jesus already said, continue in my word or continue in what I have said, not what you've heard others say. Can I say it like that? See, others will say a lot of things. Others who are sincere in the things of God, yet lacking knowledge, will say a lot of things. And they're sincere in what they are saying. The Jews were very sincere in what they were saying about the law and about righteousness. But God said they were sincerely wrong. Although they had a heart toward God and a zeal toward God, they had it not according to knowledge. And they missed out on the righteousness of God, which is by faith, because they lacked knowledge. Hosea says, my people perish, they're destroyed for the lack of knowledge. We need to know the truth. Here, Jesus says, how be it, in verse 13 of John 16, when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. Not man, but the spirit of truth. Isn't it amazing? He calls the Holy Spirit the spirit of truth. He says, my word is truth. And I know it's difficult for you to understand the truth because you cannot understand spiritual thoughts with intellectual minds. God's Word is not intellectually understood. It is spiritually perceived. So we could hear but mishear. We can understand but misunderstand. So what do we need? Well, it's who do we need? We need the Spirit of Truth to be our travel guide, to take us through the Word of God, to enlighten us so that we can perceive in our spirit the truth that Jesus is trying to convey to us in word form. And it's not always easy conveying spiritual thoughts with natural words. Because we don't have anything to relate it to. When the beloved apostle John was on the Isle of Patmos, he said his eyes were like a flame of fire for a lack of better words. He could not describe the eyes of Jesus. His hair was white like wool. And we have this vague picture of Jesus with fire shooting out of his eyes and, and everything. Feet like brass. Voice like the thunders of water. And see, so we get this imagination of this image of Jesus. We try to form an image of Jesus. But I know that, that John just did not have anything in this realm that he could relate what Jesus appeared to be like to us with. He had nothing that he could use to relate it, that experience. So he just says. To me, that's what it appeared like because he knew fire. See, it's not always easy to get spiritual thoughts across. So what I'm saying is we need the guidance of the Holy Ghost to guide us into the realm of truth so that our faith and our belief can be established upon truth, not on error or deception. I want you to notice something here also in in. Second Thessalonians. We saw there in First Timothy about coming to the knowledge of the truth. I want to see something here to see if you ever saw this scripture before in this light. Chapter two of Second Thessalonians and verse thirteen. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord. Why? Because God hath from the beginning, chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit. How many of you believe that part of that scripture? How many of you have been born again? Set apart unto God, your spirit is born again. But I want you to notice, it doesn't end there. He says, and. There's an and there. And belief 
of the truth. See, it's not enough, beloved, just to be saved and be free from the powers of Satan, circumstances, sickness, disease. Just because we're Christians, that does not mean that all the benefits of being a Christian automatically falls out of the sky right into your lap. It doesn't mean that. God's way of setting us free and keeping us permanently free from all the onsets of the enemy is through word form getting the truth across to you and to me to sanctify us or to set us apart. And what did Jesus say? Sanctify them by thy truth. Thy word is truth. So what we believe as Christians about Satan, sin, sickness, condemnation, circumstances, and all these other things that st the storms of life can blow our way, what we believe is of utmost importance in our lives. It's our belief of the truth. And the only way to know the truth is by studying to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed rightly dividing the word of truth. Asking the spirit of the living God with a true, humble, sincere heart, guide me into all the truth that I may worship my Father in spirit and in truth. Now I begin to see and that in the churches that I went into that when people began to praise and worship, the spirit of God was there. But when the preaching began to take place, the Spirit of God lifted. Because the truth was not being spoken as it should. There was a lot of doubt and a lot of unbelief. There were a lot of the doctrines of men and traditions of men that were allowed to linger. And I want you to know, I sensed it just immediately, the Spirit of God just, just lifted just like that. Took, it took a while to figure it out, but I got a hold of it. I want you to see something with me. And we're going to answer a very important question if you're sincere before God. If we all have the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, to guide us and to teach us into all the truth of God and of His Word, then why is it that so many Christians hold different beliefs about the same Bible subjects that we study in God's Word? Why is it, why is it then that so many believers, born-again Christians, everywhere embrace different beliefs about the same Bible subjects that are in the Word? And I believe that that is a sincere question, and I believe it is worthy of a sincere, accurate answer from God's Holy Word. These things ought not so to be, according to God's Word. We should have the same mind, the same attitude, the same understanding concerning the things that belong to us in redemption. There's only one gospel. There shouldn't be ten different gospels like we have in the, in the church body today. Well, then why? Why is it? Let's look at the scripture and let's answer the question. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. See, the belief that you hold true to is going to dominate your life. It's going to dictate to your life. What you believe about Satan will dominate your life. You can pray all you want. But if you don't understand the truth about Satan, you're not going to be free from his power. If, if we don't know the truth about sickness and disease, we can pray, but we're not going to be permanently helped by God because, you see, it's the truth that sets us free. And the truth is God's way of delivering His people. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, we'll begin at verse 1. Would to God ye would bear with me a little in my folly, and indeed bear with me. For I am jealous over you with godly jealousy, for I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear. Let's stop right here. But I fear. What was Paul's deep concern about 
this particular church that he started. What was, they were Christians, born-again believers. But what was his deep concern? Let's read on. Lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve, deceived, is that word beguiled. As the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety. So your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Paul's deepest concern for the churches that he left was this very thing right here. He knew that the enemy, through his subtlety, would come back to attempt to deceive the people, to draw them away from the word that he taught, to get them to believe something else, to change their belief about certain things. So that he could dominate their lives. And that's why he was concerned. That word there once again means deceived. Now here's a nugget of truth that we all need to know and if you're taking notes, write it down. The greatest and most important work of Satan among men is to counterfeit the doctrines and experiences of God as revealed in Scripture. Is to counterfeit the doctrines and the experiences of God as revealed in Scripture in order to deceive the saints of God. The greatest and most important work of Satan among men is to counterfeit the doctrines and the experiences of God as revealed in Scripture. Why? For what purpose? In order to deceive the saints of God. What does deceive mean? To cause to accept as true or valid that which is not true or invalid. To deceive means to cause to believe or cause to accept as true something that is untrue or invalid. And that's exactly what Satan thrives on in his kingdom on this earth today. That's exactly how he exercises authority and power over the believer's life in the world today. If he could deceive you or if he could get you to accept something that is untrue as being true, he holds you in bondage. And you'll never be free until you hear the truth that will set you free. I'm going to give a very quick example, an illustration. How many of you here sat under teaching that taught a doctrine such as this? The Holy Ghost is not, and speaking with other tongues, is not for every believer today. Anyone ever sat under that kind of teaching? Raise your hand if you sat under that kind of teaching. Okay. That's a doctrine. And as long as you believe that, and as long as you accepted that doctrine, I would say for the most part that many of you didn't, did not or didn't receive the baptism in the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking with other tongues. But the moment you got under teaching that said that being spirit-filled and speaking with other tongues belongs to every child of God and that every child of God has a legal right to receive the Holy Spirit and to speak with other tongues, then you got filled with the Spirit and spoke with other tongues. But as long as you thought He was not for you or it was not for you or tongues were not for you, those thoughts, those beliefs hold you in bondage. 
and you don't receive from God. Now that may sound good, the Holy Ghost. I believe in the Holy Ghost. I believe with other speaking with other tongues. And people will teach that and people will say that. But there's always the but that says, but not for everyone. Almost 100%, 99% of the time you'll find out that people under that kind of teaching, they do not receive. Because they're always the one who it's not for. So it's not for me. Because I tried and I didn't receive it. And because I didn't receive it, it must not be for me. Okay? What did they need to set them free? They heard the truth and the truth set them free. Well, what did the truth set them free from? That wrong belief. Beloved, Satan was holding that person in bondage because of their wrong belief. There's, there are doctrines right now. There's a doctrine about healing that goes around today that says, I believe in healing. Now, see, that sounds good, doesn't it? I said, doesn't it? But there's a but added on to that. But not everyone... is going to get healed because it's not always God's will to heal everyone. Now, that sounds good. Well, what do you base that but on? Do you have a scripture to base that but on? And you'll find out that there's not a scripture to support that. As a matter of fact, I found out through a scripture in Psalm 103 that that was erroneous doctrine. Who forgiveth all of mine iniquities, who healeth all of my diseases. Yeah, but, yeah, I know, just keep on that billy goat religion. <laughs> the yeah, but doesn't make it. I fear lest by any means, as the serpent deceived Eve, through his subtlety, his trickery, his craftiness, to sneak that little butt in there. See, beloved, you have to listen attentively. You have to have ears to hear what is being said. Now, look at 2 Timothy with me real quick. We'll look at some of these scriptures. There's a whole lot more to say. But 2 Timothy chapter 2. Here's a major reason why many, many fail. To come into the knowledge of the truth. As a matter of fact, I'm going to say it like it is. Many in the body of Christ are deceived. Now, what does the word deceived mean? See, don't think of it being so bad. To say you're deceived. They are deceived by Satan into thinking, I can't really know the Scriptures or understand them. That's why I don't spend all this time studying the Word in depth and, and getting into the Word because I don't really have that ability to understand what God is saying. I read the Word, but I just can't seem to comprehend it. By that statement, you know that person's been deceived by Satan. I said by that statement, that person's deceived. Did you know that? Let's, let's bring it out into the open so that we can understand. You say, but it's true. I know. You're saying that from a natural perspective. But the Word of God doesn't teach us about natural things. God's Word teaches us about supernatural things. My ability to comprehend certain things when I was in school was, was forget it. But the moment I became born again, I received the life and nature of God... I begin to say I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. I have the mind of Christ. He is my ability to understand. I have the spirit of truth. He does guide me into all truth in the face of the fact that I didn't know what I was reading. But I continue to study the Word and to say, what shall he have? I said, what shall he have? Isn't that what Jesus said? So listen to what that person is saying. He's got a little spirit, evil spirit behind the ear saying, you can understand that, don't read it. What's the use of you getting into that? You don't understand what's saying. 
Go listen to somebody else. They'll do it for you. And beloved, there's where deception comes. But so-and-so said, but so-and-so said, I had the TV on and so-and-so said, tongues are not for today. Well, then I just turned the station, you know, put on another Christian station, and so-and-so said that tongues are for today. I'm confused. I don't know what to believe. It's the same Bible doctrine to supposedly world-renowned ministers of God's Word, teachers of God's Word, who do I believe? Who do I turn to? One says healing is for all. The other one says healing is not for all. Do you see the dilemma the body of Christ is in? If you entrust others to your own work and study of God's holy Word, take what I have to say in light of the Word. I do not deviate from the Scriptures, which is why I'll spend the time that I need to show you each scripture. But then you still need the Spirit of God to make it truth in your life. You can't do things because I have done certain things. You can't act like I did when my daughter fell unless you have that truth in you. You can't do what I did when we had a financial need just because I said I did it and it works. You have to find that truth for yourself and let the Spirit of God build it within you. And then that truth will be a reality to you and it will work in your life. Study in verse 15 to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And if we're not going to study for ourselves, beloved, you'll not achieve truth by listening to the radio preachers and teachers. Now, they may help you. Are you following me? But for the most part, many will confuse you because one is saying this and one is saying that, and then someone else is saying something different. And I really believe that many believers are failing when it comes to having accurate understanding of the knowledge of the truth of God's Word and God's plan of redemption because they trust someone else to do their own studying for them. No one is exempt from studying the Word of God. The Word of God was not written for, for pastors or for teachers to study alone. I, I just hungered for this word when I first got saved. I haven't put it down since. But look at verse 18. Well, let me, let's read on. Verse 16. But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. And their word will eat as doth a canker or a cancer. Of whom is Hymenaeus and Philetus, who concerning the truth have erred, have been misled. You seeing this? Well, wait a minute. How can you say that, Brother Paul? Well, they've, tr they've erred from the truth saying. What did they say? Well, the resurrection is past already. And they'll overthrow the faith of some. How many times have you heard ministers say, the Holy Ghost and, and praying with other tongues, that's past? Huh? How many of you heard... Ministers say, miracles, that's past. We don't need them today. We have knowledge, technical advancement. The days of the apostles are gone. And when they all died out, the laying on of hands ministry died out. It's past. Beloved, if the Apostle Paul were here from this pulpit and heard the things that are being preached today, he would go on to say, of whom is Hymen, Hymenaeus and Philetus, and he would go on to say, and this one and that one and this one and that one and the other one, who say the resurrection is past, who say that healing is past, who say that the Holy Ghost is past and speaking with other tongues is past, who say that miracles are gone. He'd say the same thing. They have erred from the truth. That's exactly what he said. But in a church world, many don't regard that as, as, as error. It's just my doctrine. But beloved, God says it's error. God says it's deception. Look at another scripture in verse, down to verse, if you read right on through that, let's look to verse 25. But you can read through it for yourself. In meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. What do you mean, oppose themselves? Can I have your attention? Hymenaeus and Philetus were opposing themselves. Because if there be no resurrection, they be not resurrected. Did you hear that? 
They were opposing themselves. But they were deceived by Satan into thinking that what they had was truth. Those who teach healing is for some, but not for all, oppose themselves. Because then there's no healing for them. Those who say the Holy Ghost is passed with speaking with other tongues, that's passed. They oppose themselves because they need to be spirit-filled and they need to speak with other tongues. Those who say miracles are passed, they're done away with. They're opposing themselves. Why? Because they need miracles in their lives. You can't exist on this earth without needing a miracle from God because your first miracle is the new birth. Glory to God. And every answer to prayer from that day on is a miracle as far as God is concerned. See, they oppose themselves. Now, I want you to notice the rest of this. They oppose themselves if God, peradventure, will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. Now, here's a key verse. The next verse. And that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. Do you want to be free from Satan? How did Satan take them captive? By getting them to believe wrong. Do you see that? Someone says... But all three preachers says, I believe in healing. I know. But listen for the but. Hymenaeus and Philetus didn't say they didn't believe in the resurrection. They said it's past. Are you hearing that? I believe in it, brother. But it's past. Well, it sounds nice, doesn't it? Shucks. Do you see? Do you see what deception is? How it works? How subtle it is? Oh, I believe in healing, but it's not always God's will to heal all. Oh, is that really true? We better find out. Because, beloved, you know you'll be responsible for what you believe when you stand before God. Not what you experience, what you believe. Because what you believe eventually will become experience. I want us to see this again. People are taken captive by Satan at his will when they believe wrong. And they'll be held in bondage. Well, how does he do it? Look at uh, the third chapter of... Second... Uh, First Timothy... I'm sorry, 2 Timothy, the third chapter. 2 Timothy, the third chapter. Now, beginning with verse 1, he begins to, to, to teach along the lines of individuals who claim to have some knowledge with God and the turn of events that's going to take place in the day in which we live, the latter part, of course, uh, of all things. And he talks about some of the Attitudes, men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, holy, verse 2, without natural affection. But don't you go on down to verse 5. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. Verse 6. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and the captive silly women laden with sins led away with diverse lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. And he doesn't stop there. Sometimes we stop because of chapter and verses, but he keeps on and talks about how these individuals withstood Moses in verse 8. So do these also resist the truth, and men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith. In the day in which we live, we've experienced what is called the faith movement. 
and many do not understand the faith movement and their minds have been corrupted and they have no, uh, no knowledge of what the faith movement is all about. And they withstand individuals who speak for the faith movement and come against them and their minds are given over. I've, I've often asked myself, why don't they understand faith? Here's the reason why right here. Now, I want you to go on. You can read all through that for yourself. But go on down to chapter 4 and verse 4. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. And that's why he told Timothy, preach the truth. Preach the word, which is truth. There will be many who will allow Satan to deceive them, to mislead them. To cause air to rise up. Well, you say, how does he do that? How can people get caught up into that if they are all educated, intelligent men of God who you know they've gone to Bible school, schools of theology, they are educated. Beloved, go with me to Genesis chapter 3. Did you know that the Bible teaches us that the Word of God is full of power, it's effective, it is active, it is operative, it is energizing. How many of you know that and can say amen to it? But did you know that the doctrines of men in Mark 7:13, Jesus said, makes the Word of God ineffective? Did you know that? In Mark 7:13, Jesus said, your doctrines that you teach, the doctrines of men, the traditions that you adhere to, they have made the Word of God ineffective, null, and void. So that although there is power in the Word, if our understanding of that Word is not accurate, then we resist the truth, will be held captive by Satan at his will, because our faith is taken captive, we can't use our faith because of our air, the air of our understanding and of our way. And he says, your misunderstanding and your traditions and doctrines will make the Word of God ineffective, inoperative. Look at this scripture, verse 1. How can Satan deceive? Okay. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field. Paul said, Satan through his subtlety deceived Eve, which the Lord God hath made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, You shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and you shall be as God's knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, when she saw, how does Satan deceive? He supports his lies with sense, knowledge, evidences that contradict the Word of God in the mind of the one who hears him. That's a nugget. Write it down. I want you to notice something here, beloved. God's Word did not change. When God made Adam and Eve and put that tree in the garden, God's Word at this point did not change, and Eve did not even entertain such a thought because it didn't exist. But all of a sudden, the subtle serpent comes along and speaks a thought to her mind and says to her, Hath God said, you want to see the difference between truth and error? Yes, God said, but. But what? Satan said, you're not going to die. Look. He appeals to the senses. He appeals to something in the natural that will draw your attention away from what God hath said. And he'll say, look, see, the tree didn't change. It was no different. 
God didn't change. He was no different. His word didn't change. It was the same. What changed? Her perception. She saw the same tree in another light because of the thoughts that were implanted into her mind by the serpent. How does Satan get ministers of the gospel to see things differently? Here's a quick illustration. Here's a man of God, a minister of the gospel, who was attacked in his body. He sought the Lord, supposedly, for healing. All of a sudden, in his room, there comes in this light, this bright and shining light. And the light, out of the light came a voice. White, looked like an angel, said, It is not my will to heal you, and then took off. That same minister was so overcome and overwhelmed by this divine visitation that he went and said, told people from the pulpit, it's not God's, I have this visitation. And it's just so bright, shining light came into my room and said to me, oh yeah, I believe God heals, but you know, when, it, when, when He appears to you and says that it's not His will to heal you, then you just accept the fact that, that you're not going to be healed. And this preacher believed that. You notice there in 2 Corinthians 11 chapter, if you read right on down through, it says that Satan can appear as an angel of light. Why didn't that minister know the difference? I'm, I'm, all right, let's go there quick. Second Corinthians 11. I don't want to just quote scriptures anymore. Second Corinthians chapter 11. In verse 14, or 13 and 14. For, much, for such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ, and no marvel, 2 Corinthians 11:14. For Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is of no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. Beloved, I do not want to be an oracle of Satan. And when I give out a doctrine, I want it to be biblically sound and not based on my experience of, of an angel coming into my room. Had that man known the truth, the truth would have set him free. But here's what he did. For about five years, he believed that that visitation was from God and would not accept anything else. Why? It was so convincing to him. So he begins to preach that healing isn't for all. It's not for me. God doesn't want to heal me. It took five years for that man to finally get a hold of the truth. And for those years, he was in that condition without help, without healing. But then someone finally got across to him the truth and said, Look, what did God say about healing? Well, he said, well, he took my infirmities and bore my sicknesses. But, forget the but. What did God say about you being his child? Ask anything in my name and I will do it. Does that include healing? Yes. Anything? Yes. All things are possible to him that believe it. You know, finally that minister got a hold of the truth. And when he got a hold of that truth, do you know what happened? He rose up and said, Satan, I recognize that was you, an angel of light. And you came into my room and you tried to tell me that my Jesus did not want to heal me. And for these years, I believed you. But I want you to know something right now. In Jesus' name, I come against that lie. That is deception. He bore my sickness. He carried my pains. And with his stripes, I am healed. And the man received his healing. That's healing. That's the area of healing. But beloved, this goes into every area. Not just the area of healing. Mm, there's so much. How are we going to do it so fast? I got, I'll, I'll give you the scripture. Please. First Timothy chapter 4. Then we'll jump around here. The scriptures teach us that, that 
Well, you're in First Timothy chapter four. Look at just chapter two. Mine's on the same page. Chapter two and verse fifteen, fourteen and fifteen. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman, being deceived, was in the transgression. What was the woman? But wasn't she deceived? Why was she deceived? She accepted as true that which was a lie. She listened to what Satan said. She saw with her eyes that tree in a different light. God's Word did not change about that tree and about her response to that tree. But her perception changed. She was blinded. She was deceived, misled by this wrong spirit. Lying spirit. Perverted the truth. She was in the transgression because she was deceived. Verse chapter 4, verse 1. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with the hot iron. Now notice this in verse 3. Forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats, which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving. Notice what deception is. What God said versus what man says. People would rather listen to the doctrines of devils being spoken through the lips of man than they would to what God said. Now, I don't want to bring out any, any particular religion right here, beloved, but when I grew up, I was told that the individuals who are in this particular denomination, they do not marry, they're not allowed to get married. And right here we see the Scriptures teaching us that these are doctrines of devils that men give heed to. In the religion I was raised up in, I was told I had to abstain from certain meats. And it sounded so religious. It sounded so good. It sounded so holy. It sounded like I was doing something. I gave up liver. <laughs> I better stop right there. <laughs> which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which what? Believe and know what? Know what? Know what? Being held in bondage because of the air, because of the deception. That's what deception is. God said this, but devils through the lips of men say this. And you go back and forth. Which is the truth? Even ministers get deceived by angels of light. Even ministers get their minds clouded up because they don't understand or have the proper revelation. You say, why is this? Once again, because Satan comes along. Do I, I, do I have time for a mm. Quickly, can you go quick to, to John chapter 8? Again, that's where we started. We've got to see this real quick. God said that marriage is honorable. Man said... You don't get married. God said, Whoso findeth a wife findeth a good thing. Man said, You don't get married. God said, Meat is good. And don't be judged or deceived by what you eat. Now, I can't give you these scriptures going too fast, but Colossians 2 says that. God said, But man says, You can't eat. Why is it we have a tendency to lean toward what man said and not what God said? Because it's an outward show of worship. And that's what God is saying. It appeals to your senses, to your five physical senses, and you look at that as being holy and righteous and good. But God didn't say that. John chapter 8, there's a spirit of truth, but I want you to know that there's also a lying spirit, Satan himself. In verse 34, Jesus said, you know the truth, truth will set you free. They said, we're Abraham's seed. 
My goodness, we're not in bondage to any man. How do you say we're going to be made free? Verse 34. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever committed sin is of a servant of sin, and the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abides forever. If the son shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. I know that you're Abraham's seed, but you seek to kill me, because my word hath no place in you. I speak that which I have seen with my father, and you do that which you've seen of your father. He goes on to tell them about the deeds of the father of his, their father. Okay? Now notice verse 43. Why do you not understand my speech? Even because you cannot hear my word. You are of your father, the devil. The lusts of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning. And everybody say and. Abode not in the truth. Who abode not in the truth? I said, who abode not in the truth? Who didn't live in the truth? Satan refused to live in the truth. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.